Those are lies. That is not true. Trista's live from Portland. I'm live from the D.C. area. Ryan's off this week. We're on Twitch. We're on YouTube. We're on the Odyssey app nationwide across the BetQL network. We got more and more NFL rumors that are uh, starting to trickle their way out. We'll talk to J.P. Finley live from the Combine a little bit later, Trista. We got uh, some potential. I would say it's what we deal with today where it's uh, – trying to trick everybody and bait them into thinking something's happened when it hasn't when it comes to Justin Fields and maybe the Falcons maybe not we're not sure that's what social media does but you know what I'll be honest with you I love it because it's what keeps the NFL interesting the entire year round and the NBA for that matter yeah dude I kind of love seeing these little uh these little videos that pop up and you're getting, quote-unquote, maybe that guy's a manager, maybe that guy's his DoorDash guy. Like, you're going home, Justin! Like, I don't know. Maybe home is something other than Atlanta. I, I was intrigued when I saw that. I'll tell you that. I immediately copied, pasted it, put into the group chat and said, boy, oh boy, maybe the trade is done. Is it coming right now? Is it just Falderall? Is it just lying season? All I know is I'd like, I'd like some information soon. And we'll get some of that from J.P. Finley when he jumps on the show a little bit later. Uh, he's there hearing, uh, well, lies and truths and all those things. I know you got at least a couple in the early games. I have a couple of props I want to give out as well. So I will hand the baton over to you, Trista. What you, what you got? Well, it's your birthday, Luka Doncic. Welcome it is. to 25. Uh, Mavericks play the Raptors on a back-to-back. He had 39 last year, uh, Nick, on his birthday. So I like Luka mm-hmm. to deliver. He's averaging 34.5 points, almost 10 assists, 9 rebounds per game. So I like Luka to, to have 35 points tonight. I know the line was 32.5 some places, um, but I like him to get 35. So I like the over on Luka points, whatever you can get it at right now. I know the line has moved. Also, I like the Mavericks' money line. Raptors probably without Jakob Pertl, which would leave – you know, the inside of the paint, completely vulnerable. We know that they're one of the worst defensive teams inside uh, of the paint other than, say, the Washington Wizards. So I like the, the Mavs on the money line. I like Luka to deliver. Um, and then also I like Minnesota tonight, plus 11 at Illinois. Again, we talked about this with Kai McEwen. They're the number one yes, cover team in the too. country for college basketball. Yep. So you have to take them plus 11 against Illinois. Those are the early I'm, I'm right games. And, and I saw, Trista, it was like – 90% of the money was going uh, going the other way and fading Minnesota. And I said, okay, this is this is the perfect night. This is the perfect spot. I'm going to go in and be right there with you on that. Totally agree. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Another th- public fading Kyrie, or uh, not Kyrie, Luka tonight. A lot of money wow. coming in on the under when it was at 33 and a half. So I don't know at what point it started going the opposite direction there. But I did see that where I thought to myself, it's Luca on his birthday. Come on, he's rested up. Guy didn't really do much in the All-Star game. This is a perfect opportunity for him to get back out there. It's kind of like, you know, Nikola Jokic, who has been a monster since post-All-Star game. See, these are the guys that you got to watch. It's the ones that don't exert much energy in anything All-Star weekend related. And then they get back out in the second half of the season, and they're like, I had a little vacation. I feel good. I just, you know, yes. did the bare minimum, and now I'm ready to roll. That's been Luca. And that's been Nikola Jokic. I took the over nine and a half assists for him. He's averaging 15 assists a game since the All-Star break. Now, like, I know Jokic is Jokic, right? Like, I feel like at this point, we shouldn't be amazed by anything that he does, which isn't fair to him, but that's, like, kind of the reality. But yet, I'm still amazed when I see stuff like this. A guy that's putting up numbers that are, like, Magic Johnson-esque. And he's seven feet tall. 
and he's averaging 15 assists a game over the last three. In fact, I even took 15 plus assists, the alternate number at plus 850. Just a little sprinkle, just for fun, because he has been on an absolute tear since that All-Star game. And another guy that's been on a tear since the All-Star game has been Kyrie Irving. I know he wasn't really in involved, but over three and a half threes. That actually was at plus 145. It was two and a half, but it was like heavy juice. It was like at minus 160 to minus 180, depending on where you were looking. But he's gone over that in three or four games. Toronto's a terrible defensive team. Toronto's just a bad team in general. And, and with Luka out there, obviously, you've got to respect his shot. So then Kyrie's been taking advantage of that the last few games on top of that. So, and in, in fact, Toronto's allowed someone to go over this number all three games since post-All-Star break. So, like, there's a great opportunity for Kyrie to hit some of those tonight. And then uh, Darius Garland, over six and a half assists. He's gone over that number in eight straight. Now, I am concerned about that, and I'll tell you why. The old do factor, Trista. The old do factor that a streak is finally going to come to an end. I hope it's not tonight, but I feel like that's a wave you got to continue to ride until it right. actually comes to a screeching halt. And I had two bets last night go over by the hook. So I'm very concerned tonight that the betting gods may come back and say, oh, no, 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 my friend. We're going to roll this thing back, and we're going to take a little bit of that money back that you made last night. Yeah, I like that. Uh, going back to the Kings game, I've got the Kings plus 7.5 against the Nuggets. They play the good teams really well, especially the Nuggets. Kings have played the Nuggets three times so far this year. There's their fourth, fourth meeting. They have beat them outright three straight times, if you can believe that. Sabonis is one of the only players that can kind of contain Jokic. So I think the Kings, to keep this one close, is probably my favorite bet on the board, especially mm -hmm. coming off of that terrible loss against the Heat where they were favored by seven. They lose by almost 20. Uh, on the year, Sacramento 14-9 against the spread after a loss. Uh, and even though the Nuggets have a rest advantage, they're just 4-8-1 and one against the spread in that spot. I'm, I'm going to have to go the opposite way on Jokic rebounds and assists under 22.5. Jokic is 1-10 to the under in his last 11 matchups against Sabonis. Sabonis is just making passing a lot more difficult for Joker, so he tends to shoot more. He's only had nine or more assists three times in 14 head-to-heads with Sabonis. So I like Jokic in general. I do fear uh, that Sabonis is his kryptonite. Ah, uh, that's, your, that's your Kings love coming back out right there. You love Kings the Kings love. a lot more than you love Jokic and the Nuggets. That's very that's, – that's, it's a little show bet now. A little show bet. So we'll little see. Show uh, we got a little show bet. We got I something said. to watch. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit of a show bet. We got that. There you go. So, uh, all right. So, you know, at this point – I feel like we're now getting into, like, don't the games just feel different in the NBA a little bit more? They do feel more, I mean, obviously last night it would happen in the Cavs-Mavs uh, game. Yeah, like the meaningfulness has kind of hit that point now where games, even though we had a bunch of blowouts last night, you have some very competitive games every single night as opposed to what the narrative has been with the NBA for so long where it's guys just don't care, which... It, putting blowouts aside, that's a great opportunity to dig into these props markets as the season goes on because now it's about playoff positioning or teams trying to get in or out of the play-in tournament or whatever the case is. And I, I kind of feel like over the first few games since the break ended, you're starting to see more of that in the NBA despite some of these also really awful blowouts that have been there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that, that Cleveland-Dallas matchup, for example, Cleveland beat Dallas by I think one or two points the last two time that these two teams played. These are going to be really meaningful games for Dallas down the stretch when they're a play-in team right now. They're a team that yeah. is really teetering on the edge. We talked about the Western Conference last uh, last night. 
and how there's one game separating five to eight. So this one game against Cleveland, which is lost based on a Max Struess 59-footer, is going to be meaningful down at the end of, of, of this season. And I think that there are a lot of teams, considering how packed these standings are, that are going to feel like every single game counts because of how razor thin the margin for error is. This is what we want. I wish the NBA was this way the entire season, but I'll take it at this point and we go with it and we get the playoffs and we go from there. I, I mentioned something at the beginning where you sent this. Vi- I didn't even see this. I'm glad you found it, even though it's very cryptic. And cryptic was the word I was looking for. My brain just wasn't working. That's what happens. Uh, and we're at least getting a hint that it was supposed it was the manager of Justin Fields releasing a video of him celebrating when he's asked if he wants to go home. So people are looking at this and saying, well, we've been talking about the Falcons. The Falcons are the favorites now, and heavy favorites, by the way, to land Justin Fields to be his landing spot. It's actually at minus 300 now. The Bears are at plus 275 if you're going to look at any team, including the Bears. It feels like it makes the most sense. But my question to you is, do you know, Trista, if he's following the Falcons yet on any social media? Because that's what the key is with Justin Fields. It's who he's following, because otherwise then we won't know. Well, and he said he unfollowed everyone. He said, oh, any NFL teams, I've unfollowed them because... I don't want to see them on my feed. All I want to do is hang out, go on vacation, see my friends. I don't want to have random trade rumors popping up on my feed when I'm trying to get my tan on, eat some guacamole, maybe have a Mai Tai. So I don't know if I'd be able to read into anything if he did not already follow the Falcons. If it was the only team in the NFL he was following, then I would be a little suspicious. Uh, but I don't think if he's not following them, it it means anything to me. Is is he the, is that the best fit for him in your eyes? Because to me, it is. I think Atlanta is a perfect yeah. fit. I think it's a great spot for him. And the key there is getting a fresh start. There's a certain point where, like, when you're with an organization, when you're in an, a locker room, you're around coaches or you know management or whatever. There's a certain point where it just is what it is, and people need a fresh start. And you feel like this would be that shot in the arm for Justin Fields to have the weapons that he needs to have a, you know, a head coach that's going to be all in because this is a guy that you would assume Raheem Morris is saying, yes, I would like Justin Fields as my quarterback. And he already made the point that said, if we had better quarterback play, I probably wouldn't be standing here at the podium as the Falcons head coach. I see Atlanta as by far and away the best spot for him. Yeah. If you look at the weapons that they have, right, you've got a very dynamic running back in Bijan who you can run all kinds of different cute little schemes for them to both get the ball in interesting ways. Kyle Pitts has been wildly underutilized. Drake London, you've got a lot there. And offensively, they've got all the weapons, but they didn't have the quarterback, and they had Desmond Ritter throwing picks, you know, low-scoring games, hoping that their defense with Jesse Bates could anchor them and keep them in games, kind of like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, yeah, I think Justin Fields going back home with the type of offense that they want to run, we know what their potential is in terms of high-flying, high-scoring, exciting, you know, getting Bijan in all these different spots. You've got multiple other running backs that are also really good as well. So much to do there. Feels like it could be Lion-esque with the right quarterback. 
it's I mean in the NFL you know that you have to have a quarterback to actually win and we talk so much about teams that are a quarterback away that was the Browns and the Browns made a desperate move getting Deshaun Watson it has not worked out thank God for Joe Flacco because there'd be a lot more conversation about the mess that the Browns really are a quarterback even given the couple of you know little flashes they had from Watson but teams that are in those spots sometimes they make smart decisions and if you're the Falcons Deshaun Watson versus Justin Fields, obviously off the field, completely aside here, on the field only we're talking about. It's two totally different situations on the field even in terms of money and you know time off versus playing and contract. All of those things are certainly in a different spot where it may, it's a much smarter move for Atlanta because you still do have him on his rookie deal. Now you're going to have to do the, the fifth-year option. Then you're going to start talking about long-term deal or franchise tag depending on how he plays and what that situation is. But at least if you're Atlanta, you're not committing major money to Justin Fields right now. I mean, unless they talk about some sort of extension if they trade for him, but that's likely not going to happen. I wouldn't do that. That would be dumb business. But you could get even, you know, even on the franchise tag for a year. He's not going to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. It's still a discount given where the money is. It's going to be like $25 million or something along the lines, or for his, for his fifth-year option, not franchise tag, obviously. So, you know, you get to the point where you see that and go, yeah, if it really doesn't work out if you're Atlanta, you're going to have to go back out there and look for another quarterback, but it's a couple of years to figure it out with a young quarterback without a really massive financial commitment. It's an absolutely great spot, great spot for the Falcons and Justin Fields to be if this happens. How many wins, do, like what do you think the win total is if Atlanta were to get Justin Fields? All right, so we're going to take out, obviously, the fact that we don't know what they do defensively, which they need some improvement there, add another edge rush or maybe another corner, something in the secondary. I mean, I would think you're looking at a team, because you got to think they're going to want to try and bait you, right? I would think at least nine and a half. I think that's the floor for that team yep. is nine and a half, because there's going to be a lot a of hype around year. that. Yeah, it's at least nine and a half. I would not be shocked if there were some ten and a halves, or it's a nine and a half that gets bet up to a ten and a half, simply because people yep. are all in and trying to get that lower number, which, I mean, quite honestly, given the division that they're in, I mean, that's, that's not, that, I would doable. take the over nine and a half. Yeah. Also, you look at what it was too last year. It started at nine and a half and ended up finishing at eight and a half. I'm looking at nine and a half on some domestics, and then the top BetMGM win total was eight and a half. So it's got to be at, at least, at least nine and a half. Which it's Which crazy to me to think that with Desmond Ritter as their starting quarterback last year, they opened up at that number. Like that's no, that's insane. That is way too high for me. Yeah. So I mean. Again, it also depends on where we are. You got to think, too, like every team now has more cap space. There are teams that obviously have a lot of money still committed to players, but a lot of the really good teams, you're going to have an opportunity to re-sign your guys, keep your guys, fewer salary cap casualties, and then more of an ability to maybe fix some spots and add some free agents where you might not have been able to before with an extra $30 million. It's a great, great spot for the Falcons and like half of the NFL to be. So I think it's going to be another wild offseason and this is going to be just kind of the beginning of one of many of the shoes to drop. Brad Evans going to join us next. Bet MGM tonight. Now, back to BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. You know, if you smell it, Trista, you can smell March Madness getting closer and closer. Though I forgot, we got 29 days in February this year, damn it. We got an extra day in this month. Totally forgot about that. Oh, oh, you did it again. We couldn't even get through the first hour and you're already muted. 
Oh. leap year? Strike one, Trista. Strike one. It's 721, and I've already lost. <laughs> Usually it's the I just last don't want anyone to hear me when it's time, it's time for the break, you know? Who knows? I might be sneezing, <laughs> coughing. Chewing. Just chewing. I always mute. If I'm eating. It doesn't show you, know, you either like until you, like, scroll. Like, it just doesn't tell yeah. you, like, hey, muted. That's what it would be nice. It's like a big muted sign on the vmix just right across a big thing that just yeah it's yeah. red and it says muted across the whole damn thing so exactly yeah yeah look for the dylan says look for the sound bars there you, go. you know what dylan we don't always look for the sound bars Thanks, okay dylan. you're the one thinking about Thanks. all the technical stuff i can't think about all that you're yeah look on the right side he's oh, we don't think about those kind of, i'm used to, yeah you're right i'm with you give me the very very big thing all right this is not going to help us at all brad evans jumps on with us i can promise you that he is not muted he is always ready to go though i am very curious sir Tristan and I both on Minnesota tonight against Illinois. Uh, the public loves, loves Illinois. But we know Minnesota, best team in the country against the spread. What side are you on there, sir? Well, obviously, I'm extremely biased. Uh, give my allegiance to the ILL. Uh, I don't have uh, any kind of action in this game. But if I did, I mm -hmm. would probably lean with you guys there, the Golden Gophers. Uh, they've been covering machines all season long. Uh, what, they're 22-4, and four, I believe, ATS on the year. And here's the downside for Illinois. Minnesota with Dawson Garcia and some of the other bigs, they have some size down low that could disrupt. Uh, could uh, cause some chaos for the ILL. And Illinois has really struggled in rim protection defense. Uh, you look over the last seven games for them, they're north of number 250 in the nation at effective field goal percentage defense, and that's largely due to that leaky interior lack of effort, swatting shots, and really challenging uh, some of the guys that are driving the lane. So a lot of kisses off the glass, if you will, I think, in this game for Minnesota to keep this uh, snug enough for you guys to score the cover. I think Illinois wins, uh, but yeah, Minnesota will be competitive inside the State Farm Center in Champaign tonight. It's a uh, conference tourney time almost, Brad, uh, and obviously March Madness just right around the corner. What round to you does Purdue flame out? <laughs> uh, honestly, guys, you know, I got to see the draw, uh, but this team is so better constructed uh, to make a deep run compared to, obviously, the first round, uh, you know, laying the giant ostrich-sized egg franchise that we saw last season against Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, they have learned from that and has motivated him the entire season. And, obviously, Zach Eady, I think, has even gotten better as a player. Uh, he's a guy that can beat you, uh, certainly inside. He's uh, developed a little bit of a, like a 13, 14-foot jump shot. Uh, of course, he's very active in the offensive glass, slamming home a lot of those second-chance opportunities. But the key to this team is Lance Jones. You know, the SIU transfer gives them athleticism at the guard position they did not really possess last season. So a guy that's a key complementary piece to go along with Lawyer, to go along with Gillis, uh, to go along with some of the other key printer players there in Braden Smith, uh, throw him in too. You know, he can beat you off the bounce. He's a guy that can also make it rain from outside and is a willing defender uh, to boot. So you put all together, you know, again, pending draw, I think Purdue has got the makeup of being at least a second weekend team, and they really should be a Final Four team. But uh, there are some teams out there that, you know, could get their way and unfortunately have them exiting stage left early, but not round one early. Listen, we've still got plenty of stuff to shape out. we got conference tournaments, you know, but we do have even games tonight. Now, you're not on the Illinois game at all. What are you on tonight? What do you like? 
Well, uh, right now, uh, sweat out already Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, that one should be an absolute dandy there at Thomas Bowling Arena in Knoxville. Uh, on the later night tip, a couple of games I do like. Uh, let's go with the Big Ten and a game that is uh, going to be the definition of war of attrition, and that's Northwestern and Maryland. Uh, last I saw, the total was a 128.5, and I kind of like the over. Uh, I think it's going to just squeak by. You might say to yourself, well, uh, Northwestern and Maryland, uh, two of the slowest teams in the country. Uh, they're around 278 apiece in adjusted temple here for the last 30 days. Northwestern, though, with Boo Booey, uh, they could shoot lights out from outside uh, to the tune here uh, over the last 30 days. They're numero uno in the country in three-point percentage offense. They're netting 43% from way downtown. Obviously, the Terps very willing and very good defensive team. And they got some awesome offensive ills and wards, but uh, hopefully these guys will make some free throws down the stretch and it will just get over the hump in the high 60s overall with uh, the combined total then at 120 and a half hitting. And the other game I like, and I took the under on it, is an Oklahoma and Iowa State. Uh, I grabbed that number under 137. Last I saw it was 136 and a half. Uh, Oklahoma team that hangs its hat on its defense, uh, number 74 in EFGD, away from Norman and Iowa State, an impeccable, unblemished, a perfecto 16-0 and straight up at home. They are top 60 EFG offense, EFG defense. Uh, a game, again, where I think the tempo is going to be somewhere in that 200 to 210 range. That's where both these teams comfortably play over the last 30 days. And knowing, too, the Cyclones number five since February 1st and adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, I think they hold Oklahoma at bay. Uh, get the win, may get the cover, but I like the under more. Again, I grab it at 137. I play it all the way down to like 134 and a half. They're inside Hilton. What about just this tournament as a whole? I mean, we were seeing teams like St. Mary's continue to, to be in the top 20. Dayton kind of came yep. out of nowhere. Utah State as well. In terms of the non-Blue Bud schools, who do you like to actually make a, a legitimate deep run kind of like San Diego State did last year? Yeah, you mentioned them. Uh, hit the nail right on the head. How about the Gales, man? St. Mary's a team that's just, uh, you know, a left coast Leviathan. Nobody really talking about them. And they were a squad that was below 500 with a counter flip to last December. And you were thinking to themselves, oh, God, this team is, I mean, make the CBI the way they're playing. And I've watched them um, play and uh, execute very poorly. Uh, at times uh, during that phase of the season. But, man, they have uh, right of the ship. Uh, no longer capsized. They're rocking. They're rolling. They got one of the longest active winning streaks uh, currently in the country. And what's key with this team is that Alex Dukas, a six foot seven, is, again, draining triples with regularity. Aid Mahaney, one of the best sharpshooters out west as well. They've added some um, you know, needed balance in the post with development that Randy Bennett's got out of his guys. And it's a same old story with St. Mary's. They play with the slowest tempos in all of college basketball. It's Rock'em, Sock'em Robots. They are the half court. They just continuously punch you in the face uh, defensively. And they're one of the best offensive teams in the nation. And also then making it rain from way downtown on the end of the floor. So uh, because they've got more balance across the board, that offense has arrived to the scene once again. I think St. Mary's, uh, I got a projector right now as a number six seed on the latest iteration of the bracket big board. Maybe they're as high as a five. And I'm already saying, oh, the dreaded 5-12 matchup. But they have the experience. And again, they got the defensive chops to make a very deep run similar to another California team. You mentioned it. 
Teresa, and San Diego State last year. Talking to Brad Evans, BetMGM tonight. Uh, again, I know we have stuff that still needs to come together, and we're, but we're getting some of the puzzle pieces, at least when it comes to the tournament and seeding and, you know, bracketology and an idea where a lot of this is going to go. Yep. And UConn, Purdue, Houston, those have been the teams that have kind of felt like they've separated themselves from everybody else. Tristan and I, big fans of UConn and maybe repeating again this year. Who is the fourth team right now that you see that has at least the best shot, the most likely chance to be that fourth number one seed? Uh, it's a team in action right now in a critical game, and that's the Tennessee Volunteers. And if you look mm -hmm. at the nitty-gritty of this team on the surface, they don't have a profile of being a number one seed. Uh, the very latest data that uh, I pulled this morning, number five overall in the net. And don't, uh, don't be married or don't uh, subscribe to such theories that the net as a standalone is the be-all, end-all. It's, you know, it's a play to the RPI, which was used as a sorting tool by the selection committee, and it's more or less uh, being replicated in that form and fashion. The other important measurements they have, number 27, in terms of strength of schedule, number 17 in non-conference strength of schedule, that checks a major box because they challenge your kids. Did Rick Barnes out of league play? Six and three straight up on the road, so they're winning away from Knoxville. Five and five against quarter ones, and zero Q3 and Q4 losses, which Arizona can't say the same because, remember, they lost at Oregon State uh, a few weeks ago, uh, and that uh, counts as a quarter uh, quad one, or excuse me, quad three loss. So you look at Tennessee, Let's say they get the victory not against Auburn. That's another massive win that'll add on to the quadrant one. Six and five in that category. Oh, but wait. There are additional golden opportunities on Saturday at Alabama, then at South Carolina next week, and Kentucky at home. So they had a murderous down-the-stretch schedule, uh, arguably one of the hardest in the entire country. If they emerge like, uh, let's say, three and one there, win a couple of games in the SEC tournament, and Arizona stubs its toe. They have uh, three of the last four games on the road, though against some sorrowful competition, but they could still you know, fall the wayside or maybe exit early at Pac-12 tournament. There is a strong argument for the Volunteers to be on that one seed line, and yes, I grabbed them a couple days ago, plus 230 to do exactly Ooh. that. A team, Brad, that you mentioned that beat Tennessee with South Carolina, beat them by four in Knoxville. They've had some quality wins as well, beat Ole Miss, uh, beat Kentucky. And the, the one real bad loss that they had was four, they, they lost by 40 to Auburn on the road. Like you said, they play Tennessee at home on March 6th. What do you think South Carolina's upside is? Because I feel like this is a team that's kind of emerged out of nowhere that people are now starting to take seriously. Yeah, Lamont Paris, a guy that uh, I, I think we should get some votes for National Coach of the Year because somebody saw this coming out, out of the deepest uh, left field imaginable that South Carolina, you know, has achieved what they have. Uh, maybe women's basketball, obviously, but not the men's side of things. I uh, look at the Gamecocks uh, right now. Uh, they have a profile. It's it's kind of wonky, a little bit all over the map, but I got them as a seven seed, the highest projected number seven seed on the bracket big board. I uh, look at the lopsided overall record. It's great at 22 and five. Uh, and the street, the schedule ain't too shabby either. Uh, they're inside uh, the top uh, 70, but, uh, you know, the net rating at number 48, nothing really to write home about. You got four quadrant one victories. The biggest one, uh, against Tennessee, they're in Knoxville. So a team that has played really well 
uh, away from their friendly confines, and that will weigh heavily in the committee room overall. But they do have a couple of black eyes over the resume, two quadrant three losses. So, you know, with South Carolina, the version that we saw knock off Tennessee, and what they do is kind of like similar. They're like a right coast version of St. Mary's. Uh, they bludgeon you with defense. They love to slow down the tempo, ratchet up the frustration, and just uh, play white on rice style defensively. And that uh, guarding, um, you know, acumen that they do have, I think is going to be a challenge for any team to prep for, especially if uh, they have a quick turnaround. And let's say South Carolina wins the first round game and you get them in round two. Uh, they could, you know, spring an upset if they land on the seven seed line. Maybe they're that classic seven seed that survives round one, goes in a round two, and outs a number two seed. So South Carolina obviously has that upside, uh, but they have a tremendous downside as well, and that's an early round knockout. You know, Brad, there's a uh, there's a rumor going around about you. You've got a new venture, the gaming juice. Ah. Tell me about it, my by friend. The juice. Yeah, I get seduced by that juice. Uh, Trissa loves it when I uh, drop the phrase that pays. Yeah, the gamingjuice.com is a conception I had because a lot of people are feeling the written word was dying. And I said, really? Well, people forget how to read? They all illiterate all of a sudden? <laughs> get out of here with that nonsense. Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm a champion of the written word. I've run, you know, multiple awards. I'm a six-time writer of the year by the FSWA, Fancy Sports Writers Association. I've been nominated for other awards. Uh, I'm just, you know, privileged to, to have my writing uh, back in the fold. And I am a, a madman creating content right now at thegamingjuice.com. So my bracket big board lives there. And it's clean. It's sexy AF. It's unbelievable. Uh, make sure you check that out. I'm updating it every single night. And sometimes, like on Saturday, seven, eight times a day, the very latest snapshot of my NCAA tournament projection. I got daily picks on there. And I'm writing picks with personality. It's not, you know, paint by numbers. It's not watching paint dry. Uh, there's a couple of jokes I'll twist in there, add a little entertainment, a little flair, and give you the information you need and all in short form. And here's the best part, guys. It's absolutely free to sign up as a member right now at thegamingjuice.com. Got a lot more on the horizon. I'm a one-man band with my editor, Joe Lago, right now. And Boom Press has done a bang-up job of building the site for us. It's clean. It's amazing. And uh, I am having the time of my life. But being a writer, once again, which is where I broke into this business way back in the day with Yahoo Sports. TheGamingJuice.com. Brad Evans still believes that people can read, and I do too, damn it. And that's why you go to TheGamingJuice.com now. Great to talk to you, buddy. Congrats on the new venture. Muchas gracias, amigos. B-O-L-S. Get it done, Tennessee. <laughs> is there ever a time where Brad is not caffeinated? Love that guy. He's the best. Uh. <laughs> TheGamingJuice.com. Make sure you check it out. BetMGM tonight. Howell slinging it to the end zone. Was it caught? Yes, McLaurin. Touchdown. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
Well, you're likely not going to hear that again if Washington has their way with the number two pick in the NFL draft. Uh, once a day, though, you can play the BetMGM. Free to play BetMGM. Fast break for a chance to win daily prizes, including a bonus bet. You can play a point guard and choose to pass Kevin Garnett. You can pass Jalen Rose. You're not doing it in real life. You're just doing it you know, through the game. It's a little bit different. You can take it in yourself for a dunk. If you score, you get a prize, bonus bets, all kinds of stuff right there on the promotions tab at the top of the BetMGM website and the app. All of those things, Trista. We love games. We love that free stuff. But we also love we love lying season i know it gets to the point where we have to sift through all the crap but that's why we have somebody like jp finley who is live at the combine who i know has a dinner soon so is taking the time before this dinner to come on with us which we greatly appreciate covers the commanders also 1067 the fan in dc and odyssey station uh, how do you sift Did through all of the lies and find the truths there my friend jp because i know there's a lot this time of year yeah man um thank you guys for having me um, I think you have to like almost approach it with a 90, 95% of what you hear is BS. You know what I mean? So you're like, you're almost just trying to, you know, they say like the spot the lie or whatever. This is like finding the truth. And, <laughs> and, and I think it's a, a lot more deciphering of like trying to figure out like, okay, this dude, you know, is saying that this is his ideal kind of candidate at quarterback or something. And, and who matches that description more than just, uh, you know, nobody's going to come out and tell you who they want, what they're going to do, but there's ways to try to gather information from what is being presented. Well, me and Ashu, uh, JP, last night, we're talking about him as a Commanders fan, whether he would be terrified at the prospect of Washington taking Jaden Daniels, considering the history uh, at the quarterback position with RG3. Mel Kuyper seems to think that Jaden Daniels is a lock for the commanders. What do you think? I don't think anything's a lock yet, honestly. I, I think these guys care about interviews. They care about, you know, what's going to end up happening. And I think all, all of that you know, the, these interviews, these conversations with these guys are just going to start now. And, and I think that's going to make a big impact. And, you know, from what I understand, I, I think all these, I think Daniels and May, I, I think Caleb Williams goes one. So I, I don't think Caleb's going to be in the conversation. And I think, you know, Daniels and May are really impressive candidates. And I think they're going to kill the interviews, but I'm not sure that's going to make the big difference. Um, so, you know, to say Daniels is a lock, and I know you guys are approaching stuff through betting markets. I'm curious what those numbers are right now. Um, when I flew out here on Monday, I thought it would be Daniels. As I sit here now Wednesday night, I think it might be May. And I'm not entirely convinced they're definitively not going to trade or, you know, sign somebody else, trade back, all those things. I don't think they know yet. So I, I think the – suggest that anything is definite is premature. Yeah, Drake May's been the slight favorite to be the number two overall pick, but I mean, it, we're talking like minus 140 to like plus 145 for a Jaden Daniels, so it's still been really close at this point, and I think that kind of reflects what everybody's thinking and what everybody's seeing, JP, but let's even put that aside for a second because everybody seems to have a different opinion, it feels like, on all three of these quarterbacks. 
Caleb Williams, we're going to assume, is going to go number one. Justin Fields is going to get traded. That's how it feels. I think that's the most likely situation. If you disagree, feel free and tell me that you think that that could be different. But if it comes down to it, number two, Drake May and Jaden Daniels, who do you think that they should take? Because to me, I feel like the draft really starts at number five. If we're looking at betting markets and where guys are going to go, where it's the three top quarterbacks, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. at four to the Cardinals, and then the Chargers at five, you feel like, okay, that's where things become lots of different players versus like one guy going two and one guy going three of them swapping. Yeah, I think that's, that, I think it's going to go three quarterbacks for Marvin Harrison. I, I, you know, in horse racing, you can just put those four names in a box and know you're going to win. In the draft, it doesn't exactly work like that. Um, if I'm making the pick at number two, I think I go Daniels, but I'm not – I don't know. I think both these guys have really high feelings, and I think May is more mobile than people give him credit for. And I think the concern with Daniels is taking the pounding of the NFL. And, you know, not that they're the same player or anything, but – Washington drafted the electric, dazzling, dynamic, running quarterback in RG3 12 years ago, and he was awesome until he got back, until he just got beat up. And, and maybe there's some RG3 PTSD there or something. I think Daniels is the pick. I think this is an increasingly mobile playmaking league. Um, I just I don't know. Make him play, man. And, and I know he had a bit of a down year, but I think. You know, you hear you hear comps to Herbert or Josh Allen, and you're like, "Wow, those guys are really good." And um, Daniel's comps are Robert or Lamar, and it's like, "Oh my God!" And 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 it's just hard to say there's a definite wrong decision in that. Yeah, that's that's an interesting element to consider. Is that PTSD that we were talking about last night, JP? If you're Chicago, and we were talking to Lawrence Holmes from 670 to the score last night, and he said that 95% of the ex-players that he speaks to regarding what to do with the number one pick is that everyone says to keep Justin Fields. What are you hearing just in terms of how people feel about that Fields-Caleb sort of dichotomy? That's... uh... I was talking with a with a Bears person today, and they were like, "I just don't understand the keep fields people." Like, if you if you look at, I mean, he started over thirty games, I believe. Like, there's plenty of tape on this decision. Not to mention, not to mention the results haven't been that good. But then you're going to have to pay him. They're going to have to decide on his option year before the end of the summer. And frankly. If you're picking up options, you just do it so that the guy doesn't get pissed off. So they'd have to decide on at least the fifth-year option, I mean, frankly, within two weeks before the league year opens. And with quarterbacks in general, if you if you have a rookie that you're picking up their option, you start working on an extension right away because it's going to save you money and they're going to get rich quicker. And, like, they're not – I can't imagine – if there's questions about if he's your guy, they're sure as hell not ready to pay him. So I, I just I, I frankly don't understand the keep Justin Fields discourse. Apparently he's a really nice fella and and all that and that's great. But um, football's a game about getting better every day, and you got to get better at the most important position on the field. And, and that that to me is what say they like May or, or or Daniels or whoever. I think it's Caleb. But like Fields been there three years. 
You know, and I, you can blame the system. You can blame a million things. That's a wide sample. It, it just sounds like you actually talked to somebody in the Bears organization that thinks logically and smartly and, you know, making the right decision. So it's clear that that's somebody that you actually talked to, hearing that that was the opinion. And I'm with you. That's 100% right. Talking to J.P. Finley, 106.7 The Fan, uh, Commander's Insider as well, live from the Combine out here on a BetMGM tonight. So let's look at this offseason now for a team like the Commanders that you obviously know very well. Uh, I am as ecstatic as I've ever been, Trist, as a Cowboys fan and has the right to make fun of me and my team. But damn it, I feel feel good about the direction of this team we don't have time to talk about the vote today and the the stadium site that'll be another time on another show because nobody cares about that here but you and me but like this is a team now in the commanders it's in a competitive nfc east and they got a lot of cap space and they got an owner that wants to win and they've got a new head coach and a new everything and the number two overall pick what type of offseason do you think Washington will have? Will they be aggressive? Will they spend a lot of money? Or will this be a, let's bring this along slowly, draft well, try to build up some more assets? I think it's, I, I think it's quiet. I think it is draft, and you're going to – I think they'll sign some veterans on the defensive side in free agency, like a veteran linebacker, maybe a veteran pass rusher, but not top-of-the-market guys. Um, I, I believe – as much as we talked about at the beginning, that this lying season, I believe Adam Peters when he says this is not going to be a free agent spending spree, you know, kind of blockbuster offseason. That we haven't seen in Ashburn in a long time, but we have seen in Ashburn. Yeah, I, I saw this that the commanders were once again just a. I know there's a lot of optimism around the team, and how could there not be, right? Because. Dan Snyder's out of there. And they were once again graded dead last by the NFLPA based on training room, training staff, strength coaches, travel. I mean, all these things. For you, how do you start rebuilding with the franchise that has been failing on so many different levels in terms of happiness? And how fast do you think they can they can turn that culture stuff around? So a couple of things with this. They, Josh Harris, new ownership, took over the week before training camp. So they really haven't had much time to do anything. Like now is the time of year at an NFL facility. You can try to make some advancements. They also, just before this uh, survey came out, the report card, whatever you want to call it, they announced $75 million in spending between FedEx Field and the team's practice facility in Ashburn. They're aware of the problems. Um, but the problem, they inherited the problems. And they just haven't had that much time to fix it. Um, some of the stuff I think they can fix, and it's not that hard, specifically taking care of the families. You can mix them into FedEx Field. Trista, I don't know if you've ever had the extreme pleasure of going to FedEx Field. But you I can, got norovirus you at out. FedEx Field. That sounds about right. Um, you could build out a like family daycare area that tons of NFL teams, probably most, if not all, have – for game day for players' family. You can build that out easily. Like, I, I don't want to bore your audience, but I, like, went in detail on my show about exactly where it could go because I know that stupid stadium inside and out. Um, like, that's fixable. The locker room, the facility. I mean, their weight room is about the size of, like, a high school classroom. You know what I mean? Like, some of that is much larger issues where you need to actually build something or buy a new lot of land. Like, I think they're going to figure all of that out. I just think the time period has been condensed. And and that survey is done 
I've been told October, right? And and yeah. they released the results this week. Like it, I don't think it's indicative of everything the new ownership group has tried to do. Mm -hmm. Here he goes, JP Finley, live from the Combine. Enjoy your dinner, my friend. Have a bourbon for me. Talk to you soon.